Today on the Scott Thompson Show on 900 CHML. We were uh, going to bring in Christo Avalis to talk about, uh, from the University of Toronto, to talk about the Premier's uh, First Minister's meeting, the Premier's and uh, the Prime Minister getting together for a couple of days of meetings. And that was why we set up this initial interview. But of course, by the time we get to air, we find out that, in fact, the Prime Minister is in isolation. Uh, so where does that leave the meeting? I, I, apparently, a lot of these are going to go on. Uh, they're going to have e-meetings and such, and, and a lot of this will continue as he as he works from home. Uh, obviously, in today's world, uh, it's not really, I, I don't expect him to uh, lose a step in any of this. Uh, that being said, let's bring in Christo Avalis, political expert as well, uh, YouTube commentator, uh, formerly University, University of Toronto and Queen's University, and is with us now. Christo, thank you for the time. Much appreciated. Thanks for having me. So, uh, again, we're initially <laughs> set up this interview to talk about the First Minister's meeting. Are you surprised where we are today? I mean, you know, a week ago, certainly, maybe, or, or, or you know, in the past. But, you know, given that, as you noted, everything from, from small events to international meetings are being canceled. And, you know, whether it's the NBA, the NHL, uh, the Junos now, you know, it's like everything's kind of, being postponed or canceled or, uh, you know, some sports things are happening, but they're going to play behind closed doors. So when you add that all together, you throw in, you know, uh, the first minister's meeting, it makes perfect sense that they're traveling from all over the country. There'll be media, there'll be staffers, uh, you know, Ontario and BC have a lot of cases. So maybe there's a worry about spreading it. And then you add in the fact that the prime minister, uh, his wife at least is, is being tested for it. And, uh, and she's traveled internationally. You add into that, uh, Jugmeet Singh has also isolated himself uh, due to this. Uh, his doctors say it's unlikely he has corona, uh, the coronavirus, but uh, he's he's doing it. In this context, it doesn't surprise me at all. Not not one bit. Uh, so in regard to the first minister's meeting, again, uh, the prime minister is fine. He's just self-isolating. So working from home like many people are, I guess, uh, nowadays. Uh, will this meeting go on with, you know, with, with the changes of plans here? I mean, I'm, I'm not sure if the meeting will happen. I mean, like some of the premiers are pulling out. I know John Horgan, I saw something on Twitter about him not participating in the event. Uh, my view is that it's not likely to happen. If meetings happen, they'll happen you know, just as happenstance, some premiers, maybe they'll decide to meet together. Maybe they'll find a way to do this via teleconferencing or via video conferencing. I know Tony Clement, you know, former conservative cabinet minister under the Harper years, and he, he was on the CBC, I believe, earlier today, suggesting that it's worth considering at least doing parliament, maybe via, via technology, uh, have everyone sort of video conference in and uh, you know, the, the MPs of this country are the people who run it. And if one of them was to get sick, um, obviously it would be yeah. uh, less than ideal to have a situation where they couldn't be in parliament. And in a minority government especially, you wouldn't want governments feeling pressure to have MPs coming in to work sick with the fate of the entire government online. Because I don't think it would happen in this context, but it would leave open the possibility of, you know, of the, the opposition pulling the government down. So finding some way to ensure that even MPs that are uh, self-isolating or, or are forced to isolate because they're, they're, they test positive, I think is something to consider. 
obviously, uh, this is an important meeting to have postponed, but, you know, correctly for the right reasons. Uh, but there's a lot of issues between uh, the Prime Minister's office and the Premier, uh, the Premiers of, of uh, the various provinces around Canada. Um, will Is this coronavirus overshadowing what their issues uh, really are. Obviously, this is important. Obviously, we have to come up with a game plan that involves everybody, no matter your political stripe or where you are. However, does this push the other issues to the back burner? At, at least for now, it seems to be. I mean, you know, or at least in terms of, of, of the discussions around them. I mean, right now, this is the global story. This is the Canadian story. Even, you know, the, the Democratic primary that's happening right now. Both Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden have canceled their events, and, and they've sort of shifted to talking about the coronavirus as, as, a, as a test of the presidential, you know, your presidential fitness. So it seems like in Canada, in the U.S., Britain, Germany, uh, you know, Italy, all the G7 countries, it seems, are, are making this a, a number one priority. So from my perspective, while, you know, the pipeline issue is very important, while the the, the the kind of discussions between provinces and the federal government and indigenous nations are important while all of these things matter deeply and and they're not going away certainly not it's yeah. all sort of been uh, papered over right now by the coronavirus and the ability that it can affect anybody and you know while i i assume that you know partisanship won't go away during this because yeah. there are legitimate debates about how governments are responding or not responding to the crisis. Uh, it, it seems to be the issue at play right now. So, I mean, sure, you know, Jason Kenney, uh, other premiers have major issues with the federal government, but, uh, you know, what's getting coverage right now, and I think what's driving a lot of Canadians is is the, is the discussion around the coronavirus. Your thoughts on how Canada is reacting to this. The uh, Prime Minister announced a billion dollars the other day prior to going into uh, isolation and such. Uh, it seems that we're ahead of the United States on this. Even if you just watch their news coverage, it was it, it's, it's issues that we were talking about two weeks ago. Yeah, no, certainly. I mean, uh, maybe that's a low bar to cross because, you know, countries like South Korea... Which, <laughs> that's a valid are, point. It, it is a low which bar. Are, which are much closer to the epicenter, right? Uh, have Are testing 10,000 people a day, and maybe we don't need that level of testing in Canada yet, but, you know, it's like, you know, Canada could certainly be doing more, but, you know, right, you're right that in comparison with the United States, who, whether it's due to the president's unwillingness to make this an issue because he thought it was politically damaging, so he sort of tried to ignore it, which was, you know, maybe one of the reasons that this expedited so quickly, uh, or whether it's the fact that, you know, even if it's not a particularly bad issue in the States, although I, I, I believe it is, we do share a, a extremely long uh, border where most of Canada lives within a, you know, 100 kilometers or so from the U.S. border, that we have to be absolutely concerned with, which, what, which excuse me, with what's happening down there. Um, because it, it will it probably affect Canada more than any other country. And, you know, it's one thing to limit air travel from Europe. It's another thing to shut down the, the, the longest, you know, and busiest border in the world, you know, between Canada and the United States. And I don't know if we, we want that situation. So I think our government in general is uh, seems to be taking action. There's a lot of concern about how workers will be able to uh, get protection. There's been right. some loosening up of unemployment insurance, but some people suggest it needs to be even more expedited. Uh, at the Ontario level, there are, and in a lot of provincial levels, there's talk about how labor codes 
even if only temporarily, should be amended to include more sick leave for workers, protections for workers who, who self-isolate for the good of themselves in the community. And that's one of the debates that's happening at Queen's Park. So I think we could be doing more, but, but in relation to the United States, we're certainly doing something. You're listening to the Scott Thompson Show podcast on 900 CHML. Uh, how does this change the political climate? Because, again, th- th- this is usually one of those things that crosses all party lines. Everybody starts working together and, and so on and so forth. But even if you heard the president's speech the other night, it man, he couldn't help but making this a win-lose scenario in some way. How does this change the political climate? What, what does this do to leaders that are in power and how they handle this and such? And, and how can this change the course moving forward? Well, I mean, it's certainly a challenge for whoever's in power at, at kind of any jurisdiction, right? I mean, it, it, when you combine this with the fact that the stock market is not doing very well, uh, you know, obviously there are severe economic effects. And if you're, say you're the premier of Alberta right now, you have this and the stock market in general and you know, a declining price of oil, which none of which are, are, are good for that economy and that society. So it increases the challenge um, in terms of your, what it will affect you politically. Uh, you know, I think it depends on the perception of your constituents. Do they feel that you've done what you can uh, as a government, as a leader, uh, to mitigate the effects? I think a lot of people understand that uh, this is largely outside the control of Justin Trudeau or Jason Kenney or John Horgan or whoever, um, and they can only react to some degree, but it's like, how quickly did they react? How decisively? When it came down to make the choices about who to help, who did they help? Who didn't they help? These are things that I think a lot of people are going to remember. And if the government, if a particular government is seen as being proactive and that they cared uh, uh, you know, about uh, everyone, not just business, and, and, and they, they, they cared about working people, and they, they passed policies that, that, uh, that helped uh, everyone get through the crisis, then I think maybe they'll be rewarded for it. But, but otherwise, it could be a very difficult situation if the public sees a down, uh, downward stock market, people are losing paychecks, people continue to get sick. It could be really troubling for any particular government. So, you know, if you're coming up on an election right now, it's a very volatile period. So, you know, the, 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 we do have a minority government, although it's a pretty stable one with the liberal seat majority and the conservatives not having a leader. But, you know, it is one of those times where you have to be very careful politically because there's a lot at risk right now with how the public will respond to what you're doing or not doing. I know, Christo, you keep your finger on the pulse of what's happening on the left. Uh, Jugmeet Singh also in self-isolation. Any more you can tell us on that? Um, from, from my knowledge, it, it, as we briefly noted, it's, it's precautionary, uh, that he is... Apparently um, he's not showing any symptoms at this point. No, so he's been in touch with doctors. He's not showing any symptoms, uh, uh, that, that, that would be like uh, terribly indicative of the coronavirus, but because he's not feeling well and in this context, he's self-isolating because, you know, uh, in case he does have it, there's the chance that he could pass it along to someone who, you know, maybe somebody very young or somebody very old or somebody with immune deficiencies that, that would have a very serious medical issue if they did get the coronavirus. And I think that's maybe a good example of uh, if you can, if you have the privilege to maybe work from home, maybe take that day, and, and if you're not feeling well, just because you, you never know, right? And, and the symptoms are, 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 can indicate a lot, but unless you're getting tested, you never know 100%, right? So... 
I think it's a good example to follow maybe for a lot of us. You know, we, we've certainly seen, uh, you know, politicians that have started to self-isolate. Many are questioning uh, why Donald Trump isn't getting tested, considering those in his staff and others that have been close to him have tested. Um, you know, politicians are out every single day. They're shaking hands. They're meeting people. Uh, at what point before we start to see legislatures close down or, or, or the House or, or all of this? I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a big question. I, I mean, I'm not exactly sure if we can pinpoint when that's going to happen. That's going to be dependent on the particular jurisdiction. Some provinces in Canada, for instance, still don't have any uh, confirmed cases, and yeah. some of them maybe only have one or two. You know, New Brunswick and Manitoba, I believe, just recently got their first cases. So, you know, not to say that they, they shouldn't be testing and be precautious, but, you know, it's a different scenario than in some countries where thousands and thousands and thousands of people uh, have gotten it and hundreds have died from this. And I would say that, you know, you're right that politicians are especially at risk and they travel a lot. Mm. They meet with people who travel a lot. They're in big gatherings. Um, it is one of those things where I think that, you know, politicians are going to have to be careful about how they balance the need and the desire to, to be with their constituents and with, you know, important people that they need to meet with, you know, being a good example for public health and, and also taking care of themselves and their families. And I think that it's, it's going to be a, a, an issue. I mean, you have Br- the British health minister is, 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 yeah. is, is affected. The prime minister is affected. Again, Jug, you know, we, or at least his wife may be. Jugmeet Singh is self-isolating right now. Um, I, I think that they do have to look at contingencies about how to um, ensure the, the stable functioning of the government if, uh, you know, there's a wider effect on the MPs, because Antony Clement, again, spoke a bit to that, saying maybe they have to look at some way, if it's possible, I'm not even sure if, like, the rules would allow it, uh, hmm. to uh, maybe have remote meetings in parliaments and legislatures. That might be something to consider. We're certainly seeing in the United States uh, school closings and, and large universities t- telling students not to come back after March break. Do you think we're going to see that sort of thing in Canada? I mean, my kids are asking me this. I mean, I, I wouldn't know. I'm guessing that would be a decision made uh, through a combination of uh, the individual universities, maybe uh, ministries of education and public services and health services in the given provinces. Um, I, I assume that most universities in Canada, most colleges, uh, schools, you know, high schools and elementary schools are, are exploring their options and they're, and they're consulting with people who know much more than I do about the, the science behind this. But, uh, uh, I mean, I, I don't want to make a guess. I don't want to, I don't want to tell people school's going to be yeah, canceled yeah. and not be canceled. But no, but I think it's, I think it's possible. I do think it's possible. Uh, what, you know, this all started a couple of weeks ago, well, a couple of months ago now, and we were all watching from afar as it, as it went through China and such. Um, what about China's position on this now? Do they owe a statement to the world um, uh, do, do they owe an apology to the world? Do they need to take bare responsibility for this in any way? How does this change that relation with the rest of the world? Should they be saying something? And how would we react to that? I mean, it, it's hard to say. I, I think certainly, um, you know, it, it, given that the virus does, you know, it, it, it seems to have originated in China, that that and and if there was something of a delay in addressing it, certainly that's not ideal. It's hard to say that they that they 
owe a statement to the world necessarily. I, there were issues in China, for instance, about how, much like in the United States, there were some early warnings that weren't necessarily taken as seriously by health officials and other officials as they should have been. Uh, and who knows if this could have been stopped, of course. We, we, we don't know. But it, maybe it could have mitigated the spread. It could have, uh, as people have been using the term, flattened the curve, mm-hmm. uh, you know, which is to say, like, if you stop one person from getting it, you might stop 10 people from getting it over the next few weeks type thing. Uh, and maybe China has uh, something in that. But uh, beyond that, I mean, I'm not sure. It, it's hard to say, really, because um, well, I think all countries could have been doing, doing a better job. I think at this point, the international community, I think, probably needs to focus on cooperating to yeah. address this rather than, than, than placing blame or, or being seen as placing blame. I understand the question is completely premature while we're trying to deal with a crisis on our hands. But, I, you know, I, I'm wondering that when this is all over, it'll be fascinating to see how China responds to the problems it has created for the rest of the world and how the rest of the, the world views uh, China as a result of what they've said or don't say. I mean, are we going to look at China as, as strictly just about all the money? I mean, at what point do we question uh, what kind of country this is and, and other things well, beyond, I mean, beyond the golden goose? Yeah, those debates have been happening even before this, whether it was on human rights. I mean, the, in, in the context of the, the, the Hong Kong situation, wherever anybody falls on that particular yeah. issue, um, the reality is that a lot of American, a lot of global corporations – remain silent on that and more than they would even on normal political issues because what regardless of what Americans or regardless of what Canadians or regardless of what the employees of those corporations think about um, the particular issue, uh, criticizing China was seen as taking a major financial risk in terms of access to one of the, the world's biggest markets. And now China as a growing middle class market, uh, they have more disposable income. And so it's not just that we get our goods made in China. It's that China is now an epicenter for, for, for media and for culture. And mm. if you're the NBA, for instance, you know, yep. uh, there, was a, there was a major issue where China was criticized and, and, and the NBA was threatened basically with being censored out of China. And I do think that those issues will continue. So in some ways, I mean, the coronavirus, I don't know if that's going to fundamentally change things because I think those discussions have already been happening around mm. censorship, human rights, religious freedom. And maybe the coronavirus is a continuation of those conversations rather than something new. Christo Avalis has been with us, political expert and YouTube commentator. Christo, as always, thank you so much for the time. Much appreciated. Nice right. The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on 900 CHML.